All right, we'll close with this. I saw you blowing some smoke there as we started, and I get that Lambo in September are- Maybe one o'clock is preferable to December uh, around Christmas time. But I'm a venue guy. I, I, I've been there. I haven't been to all of them, but there's it, it's a magic place, legitimately. And I wonder how each of you would sort of describe what what Lambo represents to you. Start with you, Troy. Well, I, I played here. Right. Uh, didn't have to play him play them here often. Most of our games against them were in Dallas. But this is a. I mean, everybody says it. It's a really special place, and and Joe has had a chance to go to so many more baseball stadiums than me, but I've been to Fenway, and I've been to Wrigley, and and I think in football, this is the only stadium that really compares with some of the iconic venues that you see in baseball. I think Soldier Field was that, but on the remodel, I don't think they nailed it the way that they did here at Lambeau. Uh, The fans are amazing. When you have fans who come out in these kind of temperatures, and it's a sold-out stadium supporting their teams, it's, it's it's a special, special place, and you know, not to be redundant with every other broadcaster that comes into this place, but if you're a football fan and you and you haven't been here to Lambeau, you're really missing something special. It's so tough to win the league, and that's, I said it earlier, I think we can beat anybody. But when you win a couple in a row, it starts giving you some confidence. Now playing against some better football teams down the stretch, but uh, we can go to Miami and win. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a list of revered American heroes, right? Think back through all the great presidents we've had, the great leaders, people who really just scream America. I think Joe Buck and Troy Aikman got to be on that list. Aikman, Buck, Lee Greenwood, Ronald Reagan. At least we remember Reagan that way. I wasn't around for Reagan. Not being political. Jeez. Calm down. I'm just thinking names of America's greats. You know, people will talk about in history classes as, as true flag bearers both in a a literal and a figurative sense. America's booth. I I wish I could have made an intro tonight that was four minutes long. I'd sit here and listen to Troy and Joe wax poetic about Lambeau with Scott Van Pelt. I sat in my apartment last night watching that postgame just thinking, man, these are the broadcasters we need. These are the broadcasters that we get. Unfortunately, for the case of a lot of Packers fans, not the broadcasters we want. But then again... True greatness normally isn't appreciated in its time. We'll, we'll look back at the booth of Buck and Aikman and think, man, we didn't we didn't count our blessings with those two. They were consummate professionals, as good as it gets, and the finest, finest representations of, of what it means to be a sports broadcaster and, and an orator of great historical sports events. Are they appreciated for that right now? No, they are not, unfortunately, especially in the state of Wisconsin. I read the Facebook posts last night. It's mostly friends, family members who I don't I don't know if we forgot Buck and Aikman are on Monday Night Football, but everybody realized we had Buck and Aikman last night and complained. That's fine. But in 30 years, don't come crawling to me when you hate the broadcasters on your TV. You will yearn for these times. You will long for these times. As with the case, you know, most great artists aren't appreciated in their time, and that's fine. Buckman Aikman, just two more on a long list of of uh, individuals 
who will be remembered as much greater than they were in their, in their time, and that's fine. American heroes, I say. If I was president, I'd give them both the Medal of Honor. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an outstanding day. Talking about a Packers win today, which is great. I don't know if we're going to be doing cartwheels over this win, but it's certainly a lot more fun to win than it is to lose. I'm not going to poo-poo a lot. Well, I might poo-poo the loss a little bit, but no loss is a bad loss. This was great. This was Lambo under the lights. This was everything that we were hyping up yesterday and everybody, uh, or I should say, I was excited about it. I was excited to watch a primetime game in the cold, under the lights on Monday Night Football. Probably the most excited I've been for a Packers game all season. The game on the field was so-so, but the experience, I had a great time. That's what I was in it, you know, in for last night. That's what I got. I was very happy, and we're going to talk about this win tonight. Mike Clemens is going to join us. Mike Clemens was there last night. Mike and Bill were hanging out in the press conference, taking pictures together, watching the game together. Uh, quintessential dudes rock moment if you saw the picture they posted on Twitter last night. Just two, just two guys being guys, fellas being fellas at the game. So we'll talk with Mike at 530. He'll give us the scoop on what he saw, what he heard last night. A game that had a lot of interesting little parts, parts that I'm excited to break down tonight and would love to chat with you. 608-796-2558. Jeremiah and Lacrosse says Ronald Reagan, the actor. Yes, is an actor, of course, I meant. R- right up there with John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, and others. Although Clint Eastwood's like borderline political. I'm, I'm never trying to be political on the show, ever. I was just trying to think of American heroes who were held in high regard. And I started with Buck and Aikman. That was the problem because I, I couldn't go any higher. Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, sure, sure those guys, astronauts. You know, people people like that. Mark in lacrosse says, you're the only Packers fan I know who loves Aikman. All my coworkers today said they couldn't listen to him and went to the Manning cast. What's, Aikman is the most harmless broadcaster. He's just up there being a, being a dude. Oh, well, back when I played, that's funny. That get it, enjoy. They're entertainers, right? They're entertainers. They're not supposed to be scholars. They're not supposed to be fact checkers. They're entertainers. So lighten up on Buck and Aikman. America's booth, after all. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Last night, I wrapped up the show right at 558 or so by trying to list off all the things I knew for sure going into the game last night. The things that I knew to be certain. It was a very short-lived segment because I really only felt one confident thing going into last night's game, and that was that the Rams aren't very good. It was the one thing I could say with certainty before 6 o'clock last night. The Rams stink, and they do stink. To be fair to the Rams, they stink because their quarterback is hurt. They're without their best player on defense, Aaron Donald, their best player on offense, Cooper Cup. So I don't know if we should expect much more from the Rams. It really is a... Pathetic is a strong word, but the, the the title defense, the Super Bowl defense of the Rams this year is quite pathetic. I get there without their quarterback. They're without a lot of great players, but I also don't think Stafford is that great. And I don't think their offense was that great, even with Cooper Cup healthy. But still, I digress. This Rams team is not good. It is hard to win in this league, and that's why I don't want to poo-poo this win today. I just want to put this win into context. It is hard to win in this league, as we heard from Rodgers, as we heard from Lafleur. I love saying it. It's hard to win in this league. I love saying that about all leagues. Hell yeah, all leagues. Not just the NFL, but the NBA. It's hard to win in the NBA. It's hard to win in Major League Baseball. The Brewers have shown that increasingly. It's even harder to win when you trade your best closer. Okay. Hater trade, 409. Got to mention 10 minutes into the show. Nice. It is hard to win in this league, but the Rams stink. 
The Rams have lost seven of eight, and the one win in their last eight games was a game that they somehow won. I'm still not sure how the Raiders blew that game and let Baker Mayfield walk all the way down on the field and quite literally steal that game in the final moments. Here's Sean McVay after the game last night on his team dropping seven of eight. I thought our guys battled. I thought there was, uh, you know, some real positives, but there was also a handful of instances where we didn't capitalize on some opportunities that we did have. Uh, took a couple negatives on some chances where we had some, you know, shots down the field versus some favorable looks. But, um, you know, we didn't get it done. We'll continue to uh, look inward and, and move forward and, and be ready to go against the Broncos. There was mistakes that they made here and there, missed opportunities, missed throws, missed tackle, you know, dumb penalties. The Rams just aren't that good. They're a very top-heavy team, right? They're led through Stafford, Cup, Donald. Well, all those guys are hurt, right? And the Rams have done a good job of using those third, fourth, fifth-round picks, building up depth behind those those upper-tier stars. And, of course, Jalen Ramsey played. We can't forget about Jalen Ramsey. But when your top-heavy or top-heavy team loses the top, when the best players get hurt, you can have great depth. Depth is still depth. Right. So if McVay was being honest in his postgame presser, and he, he can't because coaches can't be honest, he would say, look, we're just, we're just not that good. We're missing our best guys. We're missing our leader, our quarterback. We gave up so much to go get these guys, and now we're without them. Yeah, we can clean up this. We can avoid these penalties. But Baker Mayfield just ne- got here, and he's not that good. And none of our wide receivers after Cup are great. I like Van Jefferson, but he's Van Jefferson. Tutu Atwell is young. So if McVay was to be honest, he would just say, look, my team's not that good right now, right? The Rams are not good. Their defense is very easy to attack, especially without Aaron Donald out there. You can run the ball up the middle. You can push the ball physically. Aaron Jones did that. A.J. Dillon did that before he left. Looked like he already cleared the concussion protocol today, which is great news. And you just don't throw at Jalen Ramsey. You throw away from Jalen Ramsey. Where's Jalen Ramsey? Okay, we're going to attack the other guy. We're going to attack Troy Dye. We're going to go after safeties. We're going to go after Taylor Rapp. We're not going to go after Jalen Ramsey. It's a relatively easy defense to attack without Aaron Donald out there. It's easier to protect. It's easier to run the ball. And you only have to focus on Jalen Ramsey, who is one player out of 11. The Rams stink. Their offense is easy to defend. They have a non-mobile quarterback in Baker Mayfield, a quarterback who's not that good, and a quarterback who just got there. Here's Baker Mayfield on some missed chances last night. A lot of, a lot of stuff out there. I think we're going to look at the tape and see how close we were on a few of those plays that uh, really would have been game-changing plays. Um, early on, I don't I don't think uh, I was more frustrated with how I played early on. I think there were some plays that just easy checkdowns when they were playing that soft coverage that uh, we got to later. But um, I think I could have made a few plays just to stay on track earlier in the game. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll be frustrated with with how close we were um yeah just it's just one of those games where not a whole lot was going our way baker's drawn a tough tough hand here right he's without cup his offensive line is injured and shuffled around like baker talked about this after the game last night too the offensive line dealing with injuries their center goes out on the first drive guys are moving around the offensive line isn't great last year they had some retirements they lost some guys yeah obviously not not a good thing for us to lose him just his presence his you know experience and being able to to make all those calls but it coleman came in just bumped him over today came in and we, we were we were okay they were okay they had time but they also have no one to throw to without cooper cup i remember earlier this year i was watching nick Wright. first things first is probably the one sports show that i watch with any frequency like i'll turn on get up in the morning just to see what they're talking about because it's entertaining Other on first take, like if Mad Dog's on there because it's funny. I like listening to Nick Wright. I like Kevin Wilds. Chris Broussard is there. He's fine. He's also on the show. (laughs) 
but I do really like Nick Wright. And earlier this year, when the Rams were healthy, he kept saying, tell me one thing that the Rams do well on offense other than employ Cooper Cup. Yes, Cooper Cup is brilliant. And the Rams are smart to have him. They were smart to draft him. They were smart. Yes. But other than that, what do they do well? Not a lot. And now, of course, they're without Cooper Cup entirely. The Rams stink. And as we talk about this game, we need to keep that in mind. The Rams just aren't a good football team. And as a result, the Packers, even though they made some mistakes here and there and they weren't perfect, they were able to really control the ball in all three phases of the game. Special teams all of a sudden looked good. The defense had its moments. The offense had its moments. The Packers produced a positive EPA in all three phases tonight for the first time all year. I don't have an applause sound effect on my computer, but if I did, I would play it now. Positive EPA, all three phases for the first time all year. Hell yeah. Let's talk about the Packers side of this game. Now that we kind of established, look, the Rams aren't that great. They shouldn't be that great. They're without their best players. They've lost seven of eight, and that one win was a complete and total fluke. Even a win against a bad team is a win. It's hard to win in this league. I don't want to take away from this win. I I always think of the line from Pirates of the Caribbean where the guy's like, you're the worst pirate I've ever heard of. And Jack Sparrow's like, but you have heard of me. That's how I feel about this win. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me. The Packers beat the worst possible team in the Rams, but they did beat them. They did. Forget the final score, which I don't even think I've mentioned. What was it? 24 to 12. Forget the final score. Forget the margin of victory. Forget the result of this game other than the win, of course. We're going to forget a lot of this game. This was, by and large, a very forgettable game. Let's forget about the result. Results are overrated in terms of breaking down games and figuring out if a team is good and what they do well and what they do poorly. This game is a good example of the Packers' process. right? If you talk to a coach, high school, college pros, they'll say results are kind of overrated. You can't just lock in on the results. you got to look at the process. Right? How did the team play? Did they do this well? Did they do this poorly? Now, if we win the game, great. But if we won the game, it doesn't necessarily mean we did all the right things. Maybe we got lucky and won the game. Maybe the other team just fell apart. Who knows? I want to look at the process. I want to look at the Packers process, the recipe they use to try to win games. And the recipe they've been using all year, it's pretty simple, right? They have an MVP quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. It's on him this year to uplift some young wide receivers with Devontae Adams. That's thing number one. Thing number two, elite balanced backfield, two different running backs, two different skill sets, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Thunder Lightning, right? That's from, from where the offense stems. It stems from that backfield. And then the plan was elite defense holds it all together. When Aaron Rodgers can't uplift a young wide receiver or when the running game stalls or when the offense has a bad game, well, that's why we built an elite defense to keep the ship afloat while the offense figures it out. Well, the young wide receivers figure it out. Well, certain players get healthy. When the running game isn't working, that's why we have the elite defense, right? That's the recipe we've talked about all year. That's the recipe we outlined really clearly in training camp. It was really clear coming into the season that this is going to be the Packers' recipe. They're going to count on Aaron Rodgers to be an MVP, uplift some pieces that are question marks, run the ball, and the elite defense is supposed to hold it together. It's not a bad recipe on paper, but the Packers are 6-8. and eight. I know they're still alive. I'm not discounting the fact that they're still alive, but they're 6-8, and eight, and if the season ended today, the Packers would be the 10th seed in the NFC. Where did it go wrong? It worked last night. Why didn't the recipe we saw last night, why didn't it work the rest of the year? Why hasn't it worked? Well, I, I think first and foremost, Rodgers' margin for error is so much smaller this season than it was last season. 
on many different levels, right? Last year, if the offense ran a play poorly, someone runs the wrong route, well, Devontae Adams is out there. That, that expands the margin for error significantly. I also think that Aaron Rodgers, because of injury, because of age, because of luck, because of whatever, just isn't playing as well this year as he did last year or the year before, which is not really a slight. He was MVP the last two years. But when Rodgers makes a mistake, he has not played at a high enough level to overcome that mistake. If he makes a bad throw, he hasn't made enough elite crazy throws throughout the season to make up for it. The Detroit game is a great example. Made a lot of mistakes in that Detroit game. But he didn't make any elite plays to make up for those mistakes like he maybe did last year or the year before. And Devontae Adams isn't there to help him dig out of some of those holes and really expand that margin for error. Another reason it hasn't worked, other than against teams like the Rams, the defense just hasn't been elite. And we've talked about that a lot. But specifically, there's been games where the defense needed to make one stop. The Giants, they couldn't do it. The Commanders, they couldn't do it. The Eagles game even. Just get off the field once. Give the offense a chance. I'm talking about in the second half when the Eagles are just running, 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 running down the field. There's been games that have been winnable, especially the Giants and the Commanders. If the defense could just get that one stop and they haven't been able to do it. Lastly, I just think when we look back at the season, we're going to talk about how this recipe wasn't good enough to beat good teams. Right? This recipe, Aaron Rodgers uplifts everybody. Elite backfield with two great running backs. Elite defense. That recipe has not been good enough to beat good teams this year. This team has a ceiling. right? Betting on a defense is a tough bet to make. Packers have dealt with injuries. They've dealt with regression. Rashawn, or not Rashawn Gary, but um, Devondre Campbell hasn't played as well as he did last year. Rasul Douglas hasn't played as well. Players have regressed. That's luck. Been an underwhelming defensive coordinator. That hasn't helped. Betting on rookie-wide receivers with Rodgers is tough always for reasons we talked about and reasons that we've known really for Rodgers' entire career. There's a steep learning curve to playing with Rodgers. And as I said earlier this year, I'm like, maybe Aaron Jones being wide receiver one really puts a ceiling on this offense, right? Now, when the stars align, the Packers can beat a good team. They beat Dallas. And they can certainly use this recipe to beat bad teams like they did last night. I'm not sure that the Dolphins are amazing, to a level where the Packers can't get them. Same with the Vikings, same with the Lions. But when we look back at the season, the recipe just hasn't been good enough for a couple of different reasons to beat the best teams. It was good enough to beat the Rams. The Rams aren't very good. Let's take a break. We can dig deeper into this game, talk about Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure at some point we're going to have to get back into hand signals tonight. That'll be fun. We saw that on display at the end of the game, which is really funny. Let's talk about that. Coming up, the Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Talking Packers. They won over the Rams 24 to 12. And last night showed us that the Packers built a team this year and built a scheme, built a recipe that can beat the bad teams. And can every once in a blue moon beat a good team? like they did when they beat the Cowboys. That's the story of this team. They can be bad teams. They can also lose to bad teams. And every once in a while when the stars align, they can beat a good team. But I don't think this team is talented enough. They're not healthy enough to beat good teams. The stars haven't lined up for them to beat good teams, except for the Cowboys. And I just think when we look back at the season, we're going to think, yeah, the, the the recipe that was used to put this team together, it was a good idea. It was good in in theory. Just 
never really got off the ground. They won last night. Good job. Beat the Rams. The Rams have essentially lost eight in a row. I know they won that game against the Raiders, but that, <laughs> like, the Raiders just give games away. They've lost seven of eight, but really, you really break it down. They've lost eight in a row. 608-796-2558. Couple of texts. Max and lacrosse says, Quay Walker looked like an elite first-round pick last night. Finally, loved watching him blitzing off the edge. Yeah, I mean, Joe Barry, you just got to give him time to figure these things out. I remember listening to a radio host, I think in week one, probably even before the season, said, you know, I'd mix him in at edge rusher. Do with Quay Walker what the Packers or what the Cowboys do with Micah Parsons. Why not? He's a freak athlete. He's one of the best athletes on the field. Put him up there. I don't know. It only took, what are the Packers, six and eight? Only took 13, 14 games. Only took 14 games. You know Joe Barry. He's a slow learner, but he, he does learn. Wisco Chad says, my sincere hope is that you have to eat those words. Eat what words, Wisco Chad? We have 14 games of evidence. What, what are you? I'm not out here spitballing. I'm telling you what we've seen for the whole season. Have you not been watching since August? They can beat bad teams, and every once in a blue moon, they can beat a good team. What, what, am I, what do you mean eating words? What are you talking about? I'm simply describing what has happened. There's there's no there's no conjecture here. I'm not I'm not prognosticating anything. I'm I'm literally telling you what has happened. I guess if they went out and win the Super Bowl, is that, is that what you mean? I would love that. As a Packers fan and as a Packers owner, I'd cheer for this team. I, I would love for that to happen. Mike is in Windsor, 608-796-2558. What's up, Mike? What's up, Grant? How are you? I am swell. Last night was fun. The Bucks won an awesome game too, which I'm not going to force down people's throats. But the Bucks had an awesome game. I'm I'm doing swell. They, they had a great game. You know, I think I think uh, sometimes yeah, it, it's you have to sit back and watch uh, how enjoyable it is to just watch Aaron Rodgers throw the ball sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I had a great time just sitting there watching last night. And for how many more years we actually get to watch this? I, I just want to appreciate it every game I get to see it. So that, and then I, I want to pose a question to you. Yes. We really think that Aaron's going to stay another year or two. I, I believe so. Yeah. Um, what do we do with Jordan? What do we do with Love? I, I, I think that that's a, a really big question that not tons of people are talking about. Um, but what do you do with this guy? Um, that clearly has an arm, uh, came in. Uh, against a, a decent Philadelphia defense and and really, really took it to him and really made some outstanding throws. So uh, what do you do? What do you do with this kid? Well, I, I don't have a great answer for you, Mike, because we've only watched a quarter of him this season. The Packers, no, right? The Packers have seen him long enough. They got a pretty good idea. Do you think they ask him to sit one more year? In this economy, in the year 2023, they tell a guy, hey, just one more year, two more years. I, man, I... I don't know. If I was Jordan Love, I'd be like, guys, I understand you want me to develop, but geez, like I was a first-round pick. I got to play here at some point. I don't know that I'd sit idly and, and develop any longer if I was Jordan Love. Right, and I agree. I, I think that I think that he's going to want to play, um, and I think that the Packers are going to want to sit him. And But they very well could say, hey, no, we're not going to trade you. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Well, and Jordan Love, he's, so. he's taken three years. He's learned all the hand signals. We've put all this work in to get him to get him up to speed in this offense. It'd be a shame to see him go somewhere else after all that hard work and studying for three seasons, Mike. All the, all the third base coach signals. Yeah. yeah. He definitely is. Definitely has learned them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him stay, uh, from what I've seen of him. 
I like him just like I like uh, Jordan Davis. So <laughs> I like Jordan Davis too. Johnny Davis is another story right now, and I I think we're going to talk about Johnny Davis on Thursday in the NBA Lounge because. I'm excited for that one. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. Mike, i got to keep cycling through people because day after game, I want to talk to as many people as possible. I appreciate the call. Go for it, Grant. Have a good night. See you. You as well. And drive safe. Be safe. It's cold out there. Actually, it is really nasty, and it hasn't even gotten nasty yet. It's going to be worse the next couple of days. Thanks for the call, Mike. Learn the hand signals. He's finally to the point Jordan Davis is, or Jordan Davis, Jordan Love is running hand signal meetings. Can't just let that guy walk out the door. The Packers are the funniest team i swear if you follow this team at the level that i think a lot of us do where we're paying attention to press conferences and we're reading the big stories and and keeping up to date with the things other than just the games this team is incredible right we spend all weekend we spend friday we spend yesterday talking about hand signals right and all of these different signals and they're not written down and they're taught in meetings and it's hard for young players to catch on we talk about it friday we think about it saturday sunday we talk about it yesterday And then what happens? Not in the first quarter. No, 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 no. Not in the second. The final play of the game or one of the final plays of the game, Christian Watson misses a hand signal. And it becomes a thing. Like, are you kidding me? How? how? The writers of a TV show would not write that into a a script. It's too unrealistic. This is the play at the end of the game I'm talking about where Christian Watson, listen to Buck and Aikman on this. Quick throw, and Watson did not get his head around. He wasn't ready for it. I mean, oh, and no. now Aaron Rodgers is barking yeah, at Yeah, no, that's, that's one of those you're supposed to know. Because that's the signal. He's giving him the signal, oh, and I don't God. know that Watson ever looked back in there. It, he didn't pick up on it. <laughs> that's what, Are you there's a lot me? of signals, a lot of subtleties. Come you on. see Rodgers, he's, <laughs> he's still mad coming out you know, to the you, you know how that felt? You know how that felt? It felt like when you study really hard for a test and you make flashcards, you, you know, you do whatever studying strategy works for you and you really drill this one concept home because I struggle with this all year. That Let's say the quadratic formula. I don't know. And you really, for a whole week leading up to the test, you're grinding the quadratic formula. Grind, I can't forget this. I got to know this for the test. And then the professor, the teacher hands you the test. The first thing on the test is exactly what you've been studying. It's like, come on. That's, come on. We spend three days talking about hand signals. And, and how does the game end? Right at the climax of the game when we're just about to wrap up. We're just about to go to the, the sideline interview with Lisa Salters, the post-game press conference. What happens? Christian Watson misses a hand signal. And we're barking about it at the line of scrimmage. That cannot be real. We have to be getting prey. They had to be in the huddle saying, hey, I'm going let's, to let's mess with everyone a little bit. Don't look back. I'm going to make a hand signal real obvious so they see it on TV. And then I'm going to throw it behind you. Don't worry about it. We already got the game won. This is going to be hilarious. That had to be what happened. Come on. Mike in Eau Claire, 608-796-2558. What's going on, Mike? Hey, Grant. Hey, I was thinking, you know, this was one of the first games for a long time that we didn't have one bumble stumble or anything happen on special teams. No kidding. So to me, I would have given Rich Fasasia a game ball. I mean, this was awesome. Yeah. This, uh, this Keyshawn Nixon is the deal, man. That's, I mean, when's the last time you got excited when we had a, a guy run the ball out of the end zone? This is never, this is great. This I'm, I'm 24 I'm years old. This is the first time. And Mike, I'm actually, I, I want to talk about this coming up after the next break because I'm excited about this. Don't get me wrong, but I, I gotta wonder like, would the Packers have an extra win 
somewhere along the, the line this season if he's been running back kicks and punts all year? Like, well, why why was this guy stashed on the bench? This guy's really good. Yeah, I don't know how many muff punts we had to give uh, Amari Rogers before they yeah. figured out that wasn't going to happen, you know? And, yeah, I'm really impressed. You know, I was – I really enjoyed this game. I, I, I love beating anybody, but, you know – I'm a Packer optimist, mm-hmm. and there's two things I want to bring about. I really think if there's a, there's a chance, and, and I want to be an optimist, there's a chance that we could limp into the playoffs, and I think we'd be good. And I'm the one that's preaching it's not done yet, it's not done yet, and people think I'm not. So I just wanted to be said, like two weeks ago, I'm the one calling and saying the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. I know it probably won't happen, but if it does, man, I'm going to be banging my chest. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say is that I don't know if our head coach I like I like I like Matt. I really like Matt. But they should have scored that last touchdown. Even though it's his buddy, you know, the fifth tiebreaker is point scored. And if it comes down now that we don't get in in the fifth tiebreaker, they don't score enough oh. points. I would be pretty upset. Imagine. We could have scored I mean I mean we're not running up the score on them. But Aaron Rodgers says we need to score 30 points a game. Well, we could have definitely scored a touchdown in that last few seconds. But if it comes up that that makes it, that hurts us in points scored, I don't think that's a very smart coaching decision. And I do think it was partly because it was his buddy. The other coach was his buddy. Well, this is you, the thing. Like, off there? None of Mike's buddies are nice to him. You got Robert Sala after yeah. the game saying, oh, this Packers team, they're soft. We'll, we'll beat them up. You, you got Robert Sala bullying uh, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan bullies us in the playoffs. Mike Vrabel bullies the Packers and bu- bullies Matt LaFleur. And now LaFleur's going to be nice to McVay. Screw Sean McVay. He just won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Why are we being nice to that guy? Why don't we score another we scored, we scored another touchdown there? I mean, the deal is is that if if the kid would have been looking, he'd have caught that pass, and he would have scored. I mean, he was wide open. He'd have walked into the end zone. But the deal is is that it's almost like we need we needed to score that because any anything that can go positive for the Packers, let's do it. Besides taking a knee three times at the one yard line, I mean the game's over. But I would like to score a touchdown on that. You know, Mike, this was an outstanding call. You woke up ready this morning, Mike. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Grant. You have a great day. Yeah, you as well. And stay warm. It's a cold one. Weather's about to get nasty. <laughs> Mike brought it today. Hey, one text before we go to break here. I got to read this. Dan B. Texts in. He says, just think, if the Packers make the playoffs, they could win one more playoff game than last year. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, they could. Yeah, they could. And what a great step of progress that would be. We could go from the divisional round last year to the divisional round this year. We would more than double our our win total of playoff games because you can't double zero. You, just, you can't double zero. Thank you for the text, Dan. That made me laugh. Let's take a five-minute break. Come back. And talk about this Nixon fella, this kick return business, because it's great. I'm happy that they have a kick returner, but I'm also kind of pissed off. We'll uh, talk about this. We'll get into it next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Mike and Eau Claire taking a page out of Baker Mayfield's playbook. He woke up feeling dangerous today, bringing the heat with that last call. He said, hey, what if it comes down to a tiebreaker and his points scored? What's Matt LaFleur doing taking a knee? 
Coach Wench texts in. He says, there's two teams ahead of the Packers with a tie. It's not going to a fifth tiebreaker. Come on, coach. Let Mike cook. Let him cook. Don't bring don't bring realism into this. But seriously, you know, Matt LaFleur taking a knee there to be nice to his buddy McVay? Screw Sean McVay and his stupid pointy hair and his sports car and his hot wife and his Super Bowl ring. Screw that guy. He's got it good enough. Send him out of Lambeau with his tail between his legs. Matt LaFleur, get mean. Get angry. Okay, Robert Sala, your buddy. Mike Vrabel, your buddy. He got, who's the other one? Kyle Shanahan, your buddy. They've all come into Lambeau in the last calendar year and embarrassed you. They were mean to you. They didn't show any mercy on you. Matt LaFleur needs to get tough. People need to fear Matt LaFleur. It's better to be feared than loved. Okay? Taking a knee. I'm with Mike and Eau Claire. What a good call. One of Mike and Eau Claire's best calls I've heard. At least in recent memory. I, I don't commit them all to memory. I'll admit. But Mike, you brought it today. Thanks for the call. 608-796-2558. You can get at me on Twitter as well. At Wisco Grant. Mike also brought up another outstanding point. Nixon, the kick returner. Going off and having a great night again last night. Here's my question. Why has this guy not been returning kicks? If I was a Packers beat reporter, and I'm not, and I'm glad I'm not. I love this job. Beat reporters, that's a grind. You're there every day. You're traveling. You're in locker rooms asking questions. It's not a job that I envy. But sometimes I'm sitting at home thinking, man, if I was a beat reporter, I'd ask this. If I was a Packers beat reporter last night, I would be in the press conference and say, <clears throat> I'd raise my hand. I'd get called on. I'd say, hey, Matt, congrats on the win. Nixon has been a revelation for this team, returning the ball. And he was on your bench most of the year, right? And along the same lines, like every time I watch Devontae Wyatt play, he seems to make plays, and yet he's been on the bench a lot. You guys started the year playing Jake Hansen and Royce Newman. You've since changed to Zach Tom and Yash Najman. They're looking way better than what you had before. Can you please explain your reluctance to get your best players on the field? What's going on? Like, explain it, Matt. That's a very fair question. Because the Packers, as the season has gone along, they've figured things out. But they can never do anything correctly the first time. Joe Barry, and this is unrelated, finally used Quay Walker as a pass rusher last night. I said in August, we did our hot take special with Bart Winkler. And one of my hot takes, one of my bold predictions was Quay Walker would be second or third in sacks behind Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. Why not? Why not move him around, use him in different places? Joe Barry woke up. This week and said, oh, this first round linebacker, he, he's pretty versatile. He's athletic. Maybe I should, I don't know, maybe I should use him as a pass rusher. You know, Rashawn Gary got hurt. We need guys up there. God. God. Sick of this team. But that's what I would have asked if I was an oppressor last night. It's like, hey, why don't you play your best players right away? You get a text here said, Mike from Eau Claire didn't wake up ready. He had to listen to Bill Michaels first. I know because I listened to Clint from Eau Claire. Wow. Do we have a feud? Mike and Clint. Wow. Well, Mike Mike brought it. To, no, no, no. I won't have this erasure. You guys don't get to take this from Mike. Mike had a good call. All right. If you have a problem with that, pick up the phone and make a great call yourself. Okay. There's, there's plenty of time to call. Corn Roller has called in. 608-796-2558. What's up, Corn? Hey, Grant. Always good talking after a Packer win. Oh, yeah. Not the most, ex- not the most exciting game, no. but, you know, win's a win, and we, we keep them going, and we roll over this momentum into next year. And, you know, what you were saying with Nixon and uh, Quay Walker, it's it's the exact reason why you keep playing these games to win. I mean, development is important for a lot of these players. We have a lot of young talent on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Dobbs and Watson before yesterday had, what, 15 snaps on the field together? So 
you know, just keep rolling, keep playing hard, and keep trying to win. Dobbs is a guy, by the way. You see how far out from his body he was catching some of those passes? And it was, what, 15 degrees? I, I really like Dobbs. He's not all that flashy. He's not as fast as Watson. He's But he just, dude, he just gets the ball. He just catches the ball. Yeah, he kind of has, like, uncoachably amazing hands. Like, it's kind of like a natural talent for him, it seems, which is awesome and probably why the Packers like them so much. Interesting. I like this budding duo. I thought that we were I thought we were going to have some fun last night, Corn. Don't get me wrong. I, it's fun to win. I thought something fun was getting, like, maybe a Toure touchdown. Maybe Watson would get in the end. Dobbs, I, I thought we were going to have one moment where it's like, yeah, because the fun games, you always get that one weird Mercedes Lewis touchdown or... Like, back in the day, it would have been, like, Andrew right. Corliss. When Andrew Corliss or Tom Crabtree was catching a touchdown, you knew that the team was playing well and it was a fun game. I thought we'd get a little bit more fun last night, but eh, beggars can't be choosers. It's a win. One one gripe I did have, okay, and this really got me ticked off, was what was Rasul Douglas doing on that interception return? I, 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 I. I don't know. I, I don't know. What a, like that is the one of the dumbest plays I've seen on the on a football field. What are you doing? What is he doing? Like, what is he? He's not freaking Ed Reed. He's not. They're not down. They don't need to score. Just cover up the damn ball. That was that was bad. Well, imagine if this team was like competitive and and leading the division and like a lock for the playoffs. I'd be thinking, man. And again, sports radio hosting me here, but I'm like, man, can I trust Rasul Douglas in a big spot? in a close game, in a big play like that? Is he going to do something like that and cost us a playoff game? That's what I'd be thinking today. Now the Packers aren't in that spot, so I haven't gone that far, but that's what I would be thinking. I think uh, it's yeah. a, a legit gripe, Corn. Yeah, absolutely. It was That was a play that we I was talking with some Packers fans at halftime, or start of the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and we were all ticked off about that big time. Because you're just letting – it's this typical Packers. They can never just put their – you know, foot down on the opponent's neck no. and squeeze them out of the game. It's always they got to keep them flirting around, and that's exactly what happened toward like into that fourth quarter. The Rams, if they had a competent quarterback and any good wide receivers and an offensive line, like they had opportunities to play themselves back into that game. I was hoping the Packers maybe pull away a little bit. Again, I I wanted the fun. I, I wanted a little more juice. I wanted a rando to catch a touchdown at Lambeau, but we just. It never really got off the ground past 24 to 12. Again, not complaining. It's hard to win games in this league. It is high corn. It is hard to win games in this league. But any given Sunday. Yeah, or any given Monday. Some also say that. Oh, I have heard that as well. Who do the Badgers play this week? When do they play next? Because we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, They play Grambling State, I believe, next. And it's maybe on Friday. Okay. So we got a couple. That makes sense. Maybe. Yeah. All right. All right. So, um, and, and any last chance you fans out there, season two, there's a player um, from Last Chance You on Grambling State. Oh. So, a little more incentive to watch the game if you're a fan of the series. Well, now I need to do my own research before Friday night. Okay. 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 I'll get on that corn. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your call. Have an outstanding night. Yep. You too, Grant. See ya. Corn roller. And stay safe out there, corn. Weather's getting nasty. Stay warm. Drive slow. Give yourself a little extra time. We have the Eau Claire crowd piping up. Eau Claire Chris says, Clint has always been jealous of the takes Mike brings, even if he gets them elsewhere. Hey, you can take takes and make them your own, right? It's not stealing. It's not borrowing. It's it's repurposing. Look at it that way. We all get our takes from somewhere. 
I will not have this Eau Claire Mike or Mike from Eau Claire slander. I won't have it. Mike had a good call, and the rest of the callers in Eau Claire can either get better or get out of Mike's way because Mike's coming for the 715 is his. Now, until Brewer season starts, and then it becomes Richie's, because Richie, I think, owns the Eau Claire Brewers talk space. But right now, it's Mike and Eau Claire. And if you guys have a problem with it, you can get better. You can get bent, or you can get better. Okay? I will defend Mike and Eau Claire on this. Let's take one more call before we go to break. Real quick. 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Yellow. Hello? Hello? Yep. Yep. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Who do I got? Awesome. Uh, so, first-time caller uh, from Madison. Um, usually catch you on my way home from work. Uh, lacrosse grad, so yes. love that you're from the area. Love the jam band music that you play. So, anyway, um, I'll keep this short. Um, Lazard is going into his final year under the, under the Packers contract. What would you do with him moving forward? Would you re-sign him two years? Would you give him a big deal? What are your thoughts on Lazard moving forward? So I, I feel like Lazard's value is contingent to who's in front of him, right? Because Lazard is like a, a really good number three. Love him as a number three blocker, tough yardage guy, but he's not going to create those dynamic plays, right? So, I, man, I mean, if you look at it this way, maybe this is the better question, caller, first-time caller. What is another team looking to throw at Lazard? Right, because that's—I mean—that I think answers the question. If another team is willing to pay him a bunch, the Packers aren't going to answer. But I, I wonder if there is another team out there that would throw the bag at Lazard. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a good like high two, um, maybe like low one on another team. I don't know. I mean, he's he's been hurt, which hurts him. Um, but I don't know. I like him, but I think it's just because up until this point, you've been kind of waiting for the rookies to come in, so. Um, I like him, but I think I'm just kind of, um, I don't know, I'm partial to him. But, yeah, I don't know what what we would do with him going forward if we try to make him that solid number one or just kind of let him be a a strong two. Yeah, and and I I appreciate that, and I appreciate the call. i got to take a break. Call back sometime. Don't be a stranger. You did not say your name, but you said you're in Madison, and and that's good enough for me. Thank you, individual in Madison. I I think – this season is a good case study with Lazard. The same way that 2017 was a good case study with MVS and Randall Cobb and all these other guys, right? When Rodgers has got hurt, who was still good? It was Devontae Adams. I, that was very telling. Right, or in 2015, when Jordy Nelson went down, Randall Cobb was not up to being the number one. That was very telling. This year, when Lazard had a chance, especially early, to be that number one guy, he couldn't do it. That tells me a lot about him, right? We're always getting data from the games that we watch. We're always learning you got to take note of these things. Again, if another team wants to throw the bag at Lazard, I, good for him. But I, I don't think the Packers should be throwing a big offer at him because his value isn't as the guy. It's the compliment to everyone else. Hopefully it works out. But I also, you know, I want Lazard to get his money. Let's take a break. Three minutes and we're back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <sighs> Wisco Sports Show. Got to take a break here in a couple of minutes. Mike Clements in about a half hour at 530. He was at Lambeau last night. Him and Bill Michaels just having a blast in the press box. Dudes being dudes. We'll hear from Mike about what he saw, what he heard in the press conference, and what the vibe is like with the team moving forward. Got about two minutes here till we have to take a break. This is probably a good little bubble of time to mention that the Bucks won a really nice game last night. I know we're not going to talk about it. 
probably not going to take calls on it. We're not going to dig deep into it, but it was a really good win by the Bucks. It was the same thing a couple weeks ago when the Packers played the Eagles on Sunday Night Football and we missed Luka versus Giannis. The Bucks going into New Orleans last night. New Orleans is a really good team. They were number one in the West not that long ago. I don't think they are anymore. I think they're two or three. I haven't checked the NBA standings. We'll get deeper into that when we step into the NBA lounge on Thursday. But they go into New Orleans last night. New Orleans, very Memphisian, very Grizzlyan, in that they have the young budding star, great role players, not just young role players, like Jonas Valanciunas, as we saw last night, is a beast. But Bud came in with a plan to shut down Zion. It worked very well. Valanciunas went off, and Giannis and Brooke were able to hold their own and pour in points to keep up with Valanciunas. I can't believe that's a sentence I just said. Yeah, Giannis held his own against Valanciunas, and they kept up. And then Drew Holiday, when they needed a big shot to really put the final nail in the coffin, just put him in the body bag. The pull-up three with a steal. Pat Connaughton is rounding into form, which is huge for this offense. The spacing is better. The defenders need to respect that drive, which creates space if Giannis wants to cut. We saw that a couple of times last night. And Grayson Allen's been really good at that, too. But Pat is probably a, a tick better with consistency. I trust him to hit shots night in and night out a little bit more than I trust Grayson Allen. And we saw that last night. He's really rounding into form, which is good. And we talked about this last week, but Javon Carter is a guy. He's turned himself into a guy. I was watching the highlights last night, and the highlights had the Pelicans crew, and they're like, this is not Javon Carter from a couple of years ago. This ain't your grandma's Javon Carter. Okay, he's turned himself into a legit NBA player. Really good win by the Bucks last night. Really, really good win. Got blown up by the Grizzlies, responded by whipping the Jazz at home and then going into New Orleans meeting a really good Pelicans team. So I just, I got to say that. Wouldn't be the Wisco Wisco Sports Show without mentioning that tonight. Let's take a two-minute break, come back, and get back into the pack. All right, we'll close with this. I saw you blowing some smoke there as we started, and I get that Lambeau in September at maybe 1 o'clock is preferable to December uh, around Christmas time, but I'm a venue guy. I, I, I've been there. I haven't been to all of them, but there's it, it's a magic place, legitimately. I wonder how each of you would sort of describe what, what Lambeau represents to you. Start with you, Troy. Well, I, I played here. Right. Uh, didn't have to play him play them here often. Most of our games against them were in Dallas, but this is a I mean, everybody says it. It's a really special place, and, and Joe has had a chance to go to so many more baseball stadiums than me, but I've been to Fenway, and I've been to Wrigley, and, and I think in football, this is the only stadium that really compares with some of the iconic venues that you see in baseball. I think Soldier Field was that, but on the remodel, I don't think they nailed it the way that they did here at Lambeau. Uh, the fans are amazing. When you have fans who come out in these kind of temperatures, and it's a sold-out stadium supporting their teams, it's, it's, a, it's a special, special place, and You know, not to be redundant with every other broadcaster that comes into this place, but if you're a football fan and you and you haven't been here to Lambeau, you're really missing something special. It's so tough to win the league, and I said earlier that we can beat anybody. But when you win a couple in a row, it's just giving some confidence. Now playing against some better football teams down the stretch, that that we can go to Miami. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Touching. Touching, touching. I mean, that's that's as touching as you're going to get, ladies and gentlemen. A wordsmith, great orator. 
Troy Aikman, and his counterpart, Joe Buck. Happy to have him back calling a Packers game. Felt natural. Felt like my childhood. Felt like my entire life. Listening to those two voices calling a Packers game under the lights at Lambeau Field. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Mike Clemens is going to join us in a half hour. Looking forward to getting Mike's take and his thoughts and his descriptions, really. Let's let Mike paint us a picture tonight, huh? Mike got to take in that scene in person last night. Cold, couple flurries coming down. Packers got those home green and golds on. There's some drunk shirtless guy in the stands next to some guy who's wearing blaze orange. Let's let Mike paint us a picture at 530. Describe the scene, Mike. Let us feel something. Really, really tell us what was it like to be there in attendance. I'm excited to talk to Mike. He'll be here at 530. You can call and text the show. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can follow me there. Mike and Eau Claire brought the heat today. One of his best calls ever. Certainly his best call in recent memory. Some of the other Eau Claire listeners taking issue with Mike in Eau Claire. Uh, Chris in Eau Claire. Uh, Clint in Eau Claire, who's a first-time texter. Clint called in and texted, excuse me, texted in today just to call out Mike for saying he stole those takes from Bill Michaels. Well, I I can't speak to that. I wasn't listening to the big unit today. It's prepping for my show. Normally, I, I don't miss a single moment of Bill's show. Don't get me wrong, but today I was <laughs> today I was busy. One of the things that Mike brought up is this new kick returner, to quote Mike Nixon, who just looks great. When he first started returning kicks and punts for the Packers, I thought, well, this is what a competent kick returner looks like. This is nothing special, folks. It's not like he's Devin Hester here. Okay, we just finally have a returner who doesn't suck. And I think part of that is true. I think whoever the Packers replaced Amari Rogers with was just going to look better than he probably is just by comparison. But no, Nixon's a really good returner, consistently getting plus yardage and helping the Packers out with good field position. And as Mike said, back at 4.30 when he called in. And as I would have said, if I was in the press conference last night and I could have Matt, uh, asked Matt LaFleur a question, I would have said, where has this guy been? Where has he been? Why, why do you have this guy stashed on the bench? And for what? To keep running Amari Rodgers out there? I get it if you have one good returner and then a great returner on the bench, but Amari Rodgers was a negative. He was giving away possessions. He was giving away field position. You should have been looking for anybody. Anybody you could find to stick in there to replace Amari Rogers, and yet this Nixon character, who nobody ever heard of until a couple of weeks ago, Rich Bisaccia brought him to town, this Nixon character was buried on the bench. What the heck? And Matt LaFleur, I could get over it. All right, we didn't know what we had, but this happens a lot. If I was a Packers beat reporter last night, I would have said, look, Nixon's been buried on the bench. Devontae Wyatt, for most of this season, has been buried on the bench. Every time he's out there, he's seemingly making plays. He was the highest-graded Packers defender last night alongside Quay Walker. You started the season with Royce Newman on the right side of the offensive line with Jake Hansen. Everybody thought that was a bad idea. We kept running him out there, kept running him out there. Well, now we got Zach Tom and Yash Nijman. They seem to be playing pretty well. Matt LaFleur, again, I would ask if I was in this press conference, what is with your reluctance to get the best players on the field? Are you stubborn? Or can you just not identify who your best players are? Because we have precedent. Go back to that Tampa Bay game when they started Dennis Kelly. That never made any sense. Or go back to the playoffs last year when they were starting. It's like, what, what is this offensive line rolling out there? Malafleur would be a terrible baseball manager. When you have to make lineup decisions every night, do I play Mark Kotze in right field or do I roll? <laughs> Shout out Ron Renneke. That's a throwback, right? 
Like, lineup decisions in baseball are hard. And in the playoffs, you are scrutinized, as you should be. Because nine spots on the field, nine spots in the batting order, the order matters, the placement matters, everything matters. In football, these lineup decisions aren't really as, as I think, as important as in baseball. You're not making active decisions to leave guys out of the game or put guys into the game. And yet, even in a sport where lineup decisions aren't as high stakes and aren't as common, Malafleur seems to frequently make the incorrect lineup decisions. We can never do anything correctly the first time. When, when was the last time you watched the Packers and you thought, man, where did they find this guy? They, they identified this guy and really put him in a role to succeed. No, no, no. It's a painful process. Matt LaFleur loves him the scientific method. He's, he's Thomas Edison out there, just finding a million ways not to make a light bulb. Finally, it's week 16. Oh, look, we have a kick returner who's competent. Actually, he's pretty great. Sorry, we were, we were experimenting with Amari Rodgers. We had to find a thousand ways to not make a light bulb before we could finally stick the guy who's actually good on the field. What What is with this guy? It's very bizarre. Matt LaFleur consistently needing to fail at things before he can succeed. And I get it. That's how life is. We make mistakes. You just don't want to make the same mistakes twice. Matt LaFleur typically doesn't make the same mistake twice. He just finds a way to make different mistakes. Like with travel. It's like, well, I've really got this down to a science. We're going to go on Friday. Well, then what happened Friday night? Well, people weren't locked in. They were going out on the town. Remember that trip to L.A. to play the Chargers? Or going to, uh, uh, not France. I got uh, a World Cup on the brain going to London this last uh, season. And they played the Giants. It was, a, it was a production. James Cameron put less time and effort into making Avatar 2 than Matt LaFleur put into planning that trip to play overseas. My God. And, and it went poorly. Team gets over there, blows a huge second half lead. And everyone's whining about it. Rasul Douglas is like, this sucks. I don't want to go. It's like, well, I'll go. I've never been to Europe before. Seems like a cool chance. Oh, the flight is long? I'm sorry. Have you ever flown Spirit with two connecting flights to Los Angeles at 5 in the morning? I have. I got through it just fine. No Wi-Fi. I don't even think the plane had tray tables, if I remember correctly. I'm leaving for Minneapolis-St. Paul at the butt crack of dawn, going to Vegas, to Denver, or I guess it would have been Denver, to Vegas, to L.A. No problem. Packers got to take a charter jet to London. It's like the wheels fall off the the operation. Matt LaFleur and this Packers team, they're always going to fail at things. Before we can succeed. Like I was coming up with a list of things today. If then statements. Uh, there's a name for these in, in like logic classes. If then statements in Excel. Yeah, we're not trying to learn Excel on the air. That's not what we're trying to do, Google. If then statements. I thought there's a conditional statement. Yeah, I was thinking of conditional statements today. Like if this, what would the Packers season look like? And we've kicked this one around for a couple weeks. If Christian Watson catches that pass in week one, then what? I feel like the Packers aren't six and eight. There's an additional win somewhere in there. Even if they don't win that Minnesota game, which I feel like maybe they would have. I don't know. Would have scored. Would have taken the lead, right? If Christian Watson catches that pass in week one, I don't think the Packers are six and eight. Sammy Watkins, or, or I guess now, what is their record now? They're six and eight, right? They didn't, I, I want to make sure I get this right. Six and eight. I don't remember final scores. I don't remember records. If Christian Watson catches that pass in week one, I feel like they win an extra game somewhere along the way. Sammy Watkins literally talked about in that Kalen Kaler piece. You know, that hit piece, that nothing burger, as Aaron Rodgers called it today. Sammy Watkins was like, yeah, that really, that really killed the juice of the team. No kidding. Here's another if-then statement that I was thinking about last night, another conditional statement. 
If A.J. Dillon was given the ball on every fourth and three attempt that they had this season, fourth and three attempt that they attempted, every fourth and three and shorter, I feel like there's an extra win to be found somewhere in there. Like in New York, when they drove down the field and they couldn't pick up that first down, if they just handed A.J. Dillon, I feel like maybe they win that game. They picked up a fourth and three pretty easily with A.J. Dillon last night against a pretty stout run defense. All the things that the Rams are poor at, and there's a long list of things that they're not good at right now, they can still hold up against the run okay. I feel like if A.J. Dillon gets the ball in every fourth and three attempt and shorter this season, they'd have at least one more win. I feel like if Nixon starts week one as the punts and kicks returner, then this team has at least one more win. You're telling me that those games that came down to the wire against the Commanders and against the Giants and the Lions, you're telling me that 30 yards of field position on any given return in any of those games doesn't flip one result? feel like maybe it would have. Feel, feel like there's an extra win to be found in there. At the beginning of the season, if the Packers would have started Zach Tom and Yash Nijman at right guard and right tackle instead of Jake Hansen and Royce Newman, the human turnstile, they might have an additional win. There's all of these conditional statements, and they're not all the fault of Matt LaFleur, but as the head coach at the end of the day, you got to kind of have a feel for these things and, again, get your best players on the field. A.J. Dillon on fourth and short, got to be on the field. Nixon, your best returners, got to be on the field. Zach Tom and Yash Nijman are two of your best offensive linemen. They got to be on the field. It's tweeting about these today. Onabam fan account, which is my favorite account on Brewers Twitter, said, what would the Packers record be if the locker room had not been blindsided by the Josh Hader trade? Now, that's a whole nother can of worms we could get we could get into. I got a tweet back from Andrew today when I was tweeting out some of these conditional statements. And he said, about the same. Defense hasn't been playing well this season. No, 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 but you're missing the point. I'm not saying the Packers would be the number one seed in the NFC if all of these things had been done. If Christian Watson catches that pass, if A.J. Dillon's getting the ball on fourth and shorts, if Nixon is returning punts and kicks, if the offensive line could be set up correctly. I'm not saying they'd be the number one seed. I'm saying you can find one additional win somewhere in there. That's huge difference. That's the difference between six and eight and seven and seven. That's the difference between being in the hunt and on the playoff bubble or in the playoffs. These are the little edges that coaches need to find in the NFL. We got a, a text, or was it a call? Who called in yesterday? Who was that? Oh, was it Hector? No, it wasn't Hector. Oh, it was Corey and Marshall who called in yesterday and said, well, you know, I, the, the, the hand signals are the little edge that Aaron Rodgers needs to find because everyone in the NFL is so great. Everyone's so fast. Everyone's so athletic. So Aaron Rodgers' edge is those hand signals, right? We were talking about finding an edge. Any little edge you can find. I'm giving you a bunch of edges here. You need to find those edges. That's the job of a coaching staff. To find that one extra yard, to find that one extra field goal, that one extra possession over the course of an NFL game. That's what coaches are for. And I just feel like the Packers coaching staff, and ultimately that falls on Matt LaFleur as the head coach, I feel like they've done a poor job. And they've found success as the season goes along in setting their offensive line, in finding their kick returner, in using A.J. Dillon in short-yarded situations. This needed to be done in week one or two or three at the late. We needed to realize these things. We needed to figure these things out. And I say we because I'm an owner. I have skin in the game. These things needed to be realized and implemented earlier. Wow, look at this. Quay Walker is athletic. Using him as a pass rusher. What a novel idea. It's December 20th. Christmas is on Sunday. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Like, how much time did it take to figure out some of these things? 
And again, I, I don't mean to be all negative today. They won last night, but for every good thing the Packers do, I'm also like, well, why couldn't we do this two months ago? What was preventing this from happening two months ago? That's coaching, finding an edge, putting your best players in a position to succeed. 608-796-2558. Let's talk to Mark. What's going on, Mark? Welcome. Hey, so uh, just leaving work and listening to your uh, to your pontification, and I, I get what I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, instead of looking back, let's look at it this way. Let's look forward. If this kind of season would have been a couple of points, if this kind of season that they're having right now would have been the first season of Matt Lafleur's career, mm-hmm. I think it would have been really good growth. But he had two, three years of wow. This is super easy. We're winning 13 wins every year. Yeah, we stumble at the end, but, man, this is easy. This is the first year he and his coaching staff has dealt with long-term adversity, problems, the little things not going their way. I think moving forward, and, you know, the proof is in the pudding. We'll see what happens next year, that this is going to be good for him and learning how to coach through some of these things. Yeah, should it have happened sooner? Maybe. But he had three years of, wow, this is easy. I don't have to really do anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so you're saying that we're we're getting a, a delayed growing pain, right? Th- these are growing pains that most coaches oh, yeah. go through in their first year. But because Aaron Rodgers is great and Devontae, had, we just had to wait a little bit. We're getting a an aftershock growing pain here with Matt LaFleur. Yeah. It's just delayed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. So then you're just looking forward into the future, and you're looking at this year, and, yeah, it sucks balls. Yeah, there's, it's just really frustrating. <laughs> Dear God, Aaron, stop trying to get 20 yards on a one-yard third down play. Uh, yeah. But next year, wide receivers are going to be more in line with things. I think the defense is going to be better, whether they keep Joe Barry or not. I don't know. They just don't tackle. Um, and the offensive line, hope to God they get healthy and maybe they draft some good players. You know, we'll see what happens next year. But not going through this adversity, I think – or going through this is a, a good lesson because a lot of times you learn, I think you always learn more from mistakes than you do from easy success. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And again, I like, I keep using Thomas Edison who, by the way, I feel like he, he didn't, he rip off inventing the light bulb. We, we credit him with inventing the light bulb. That's not what we're talking about, but like his whole thing was, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't find, or I didn't fail. I found 500 ways not to make a light bulb or whatever. Okay. That's great. But I like Matt LaFleur, we keep failing, right? It's just failing at different right. things. It's like, we're just lining up. All right, now I'm going to fail at the offensive line. I'm going to fail a kick returner. I'm going to fail a defensive coordinator, special teams. It's just one thing after another. I don't know. The first yeah. instinct needs to be correct sometimes for a good coach, right? Like, we need, sure. to, we need to be correct sure. the first time sometimes. Yeah, it feels like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong this year. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's just it's, it's unusual. We've never had to experience that with a, a Green Bay Packers team since before far, really. Yeah, well, they don't. I mean, they've had really. Yeah, go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry, cut. I you mean, off. no, you're good. Um, it's just a matter of yeah. We there's always been winning seasons. I mean, how many losing seasons has there been? Three. Um, I think the first season with Aaron Rodgers. I think um, Favre only had one losing season. I don't even know. Yeah, I can't remember Favre. I mean, mean, Rodgers' first year is a wash. Then he gets hurt one year. He gets hurt another in 2018. Like, so the the down years have been, with the exception of the year McCarthy got fired, the down years, there have been a reason. 
I think this year there's also not really a security blanket. Like, where's Matt LaFleur's security blanket? Rodgers is not playing like an MVP, right? So that's not his trump card. No Devontae Adams means he doesn't have a trump card on third and short, fourth and short red zone situations. And where's the elite player on defense that's going to help flip a game? Without Rashawn Gary, there really really isn't one. So I think that hurts Matt LaFleur, too. He doesn't have a security blanket really in any sense in any part of this team. His assistant coaches, his defense, his offense, there's there's no fail-safe. There's no security blanket. Yeah, so then he almost has to do. He almost has to be perfect with every decision. Yeah, I suppose. You I mean, I'd like him. To, I, perfect. Yeah, perfection is not attainable. But we could, like, we could get closer than we are. I feel like is, I guess, my point. Right. Yeah. I got you. All right. I, I think I'm. What you saying? Yeah, I appreciate the call, Mark. I appreciate not devil's advocate. I wouldn't say you're playing devil's advocate. I'd say you're adding to the conversation, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always good to look forward and yeah. uh, kind of, you know. Manifest destiny, blah, 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 some flowery work. How's that? Yeah, thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. Have a good night. <laughs> good yeah. night. Yeah, have a good one. And stay warm. Weather's getting nasty out there. I, at some point this year, or this week, during this big storm we're going to get, I need an Eric on I-90 storm update call like I need air to breathe. I need that at some point this week. So I'm hoping we get it maybe tomorrow Thursday when the weather's really getting nasty. I need a live update from some street corner somewhere where Eric is just out in the elements. I, I need that like I like I need a paycheck. I need that like I need food and water and air. Let's take a break. Three minutes. We'll debrief. We'll get any thoughts we have remaining out in the air, and then we'll connect with Mike Clements at 530. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show, Mike Clements in about 10 minutes here. He was at Lambeau last night, saw the game under the lights. I'm hoping he's going to paint a picture and be a little bit of a poet for us. Tell us what the game was like. Packers beat the Rams last night, 24 to 12. A lot of good, especially Nixon returning kicks. Wonder where this guy's been all season, right? The offensive line, they seemingly have it set up correctly. I wonder why that took so long. We now realize that Quay Walker is good and we can line him up anywhere. That's that's good. You know, it's almost Christmas, but better late than never, I guess. Devontae Wyatt looks good. Maybe you should play a little more. I'd like that. Let's let's do that. A.J. Dillon got a carry on fourth and three last night. Oh, short yardage back. Look, look at that. That's why we drafted him. I mean, it's, again, it's December 20th, so it's it's good that we got there. We, we did get there eventually. It just took a little longer than I would have liked. 608-796-2558. If you want to call and text, and if you want to tweet me, I am on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Clinton Eau Claire has followed up. He said, uh, apologies to Mike for my earlier snark. No, we love snark on the show. It's fine. He continues, I just don't think we should pass on sportsmanship in exchange for potentially winning the fifth tiebreaker. What are we, Vikings fan? Well, Clint, I mean, if the fifth tiebreaker is the fifth tiebreaker, that's the tiebreaker to get into the playoffs. So don't diminish the fifth tiebreaker because it's fifth. If that's the tiebreaker we need, that's the tiebreaker we need. We got to get the playoffs. I think where Mike aired was... And I'll admit, I don't, I don't know the tiebreaker situation. I am not breaking down playoff scenarios left and right here. I, I need to see a win against the Dolphins, and then maybe I'll start to dabble in the if-then scenarios. The, the we need two of these three things to happen. We need this team to lose. I, I don't want to get in there. That's just a lot of mental power that I have to use that I, I, I don't think I have to use yet. Like the Packers still have some tough opponents. I just, I'm not going to let that occupy space in my brain until I have to. So I appreciate Mike and Eau Claire 
maybe, you know, cluing us in a little bit on some of the tiebreakers. Let's talk to Rock and Rick before we get to Mike Clemens. What's up, Rick? Welcome to the show. Uh, it's going pretty good out here on the Super Slab. It's a pretty nice night out here. Sound just like Eric hey, uh, in the ninety. Snow hasn't started yet. Yeah, you, you said no, it hasn't. Okay. Uh, you just said you were missing them, so I thought I'd give you a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, I missed a whole bunch of your show again. Like I told you, from like Camp Douglas to Austin and back to Camp Douglas, I oh. totally lose you. So if somebody else brought this up, I don't know, but I have no idea how the NFL does it. But a lot of tiebreakers. When it comes to the points, it's points given up to, te- uh, you know, try to keep people from, you know, point pounding or whatever you want to call it. So I don't, I don't know if it's point differential or if it's points given up. That's how a lot of tiebreakers go, you know, like for high school and stuff like that. Well, I think there's a lot of tiebreakers before we get to that point. Like, we're talking about head-to-head, divisional record, common opponent. It's not going to get down to this point. Mike and Eau Claire, you know Mike and Eau Claire. He's just a thorough, he's just a th- one thorough bastard. He's just got to look at all the scenarios. He's he's not leaving any stone unturned. That's just the way Mike rolls. So, I, I don't think we're going to get to the fifth tiebreaker, but, you know, Mike don't care. Mike Mike's digging deep on these things. I'm sure it's because Matt was in uh, McVay's wedding. But anyway, like I said, I missed a bunch of the show, so I don't know if you saw my text earlier, but I heard that, uh, is his name Nixon or Mixon? Nixon, like the president. Like the president. So his middle name's Milhouse? Okay. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, anyway, I heard that he is uh, putting a case for himself. He wants to be a slot receiver. Yeah. I did Have you see heard that. that? I did see that today. I, I didn't listen to Matt LaFleur's press conference today. I saw a tweet. I think it was Schneidman who had it. I'm intrigued. I just, I, I don't know. We got Randall Cobbert. Like, we can only have so many reps at slot receiver here. You know what I mean? But I'm about it. Like, if you, if you can get the ball in his hands in space, I'm I'm down. Let's have fun. We got three weeks left. Oh, yeah, We're a long shot to the playoffs. Let's cook a little bit. I, I like that, Rock and Rick. Well, he is pretty fun to watch. I mean, especially, you know, Amari Rogers just let everything go into the end zone. He fared he fair catch. People were still 15 yards away from him on punt. So yeah. This guy is so much more fun to watch. But He's a lot better. Anyway, I don't I don't have a lot to say. I just uh, didn't know if you had heard that about him uh, making a case for himself to play some offense. He probably wants to be uh, some neon Dion in him, maybe. Yeah, I'm sure he's he's a poor man's Dion Dion. Yeah, Rick. No, and we'll probably talk about that here in a couple minutes with Mike Clemens. I gotta go because I gotta call Mike. I appreciate you calling, Rick, and drive safe out there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the road's good. Take care, bud. Yeah. Take care. That's rocking, Rick. Is there a dead spot around Camp Douglas? That's terrible. Imagine all the folks stationed there living in those barracks right next to the freeway. You're telling me they can't listen to the show? That's horrid. This country already doesn't do enough for the troops. Telling me we can't get the whisker. We need a translator tower in Camp Douglas. I wasn't aware of this. Thank you for alerting me to this, Rock and Rick. Hey, tweet me at Wisco Grant. I got to shut down the phone for a couple minutes because we got to get Mike on the horn. We're going to hear what he saw and heard at the game last night. And maybe he wants to talk about Nixon, maybe playing some slot receiver. Mike's at practice. So Mike would be one of the first to know he'd see it before we'd see it in the game. Mike will join us next on the Wisco Sports Show. We're back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now we're going to play three uh, better football teams. We've just been practicing a little bit better. Energy's been a little bit better. 
that being said, it's still tough to win in the league. And I've, I said it earlier, I think we can beat anybody. We can also lose to anybody. But when you win a couple in a row, it starts giving you some confidence. Now we're playing against some better football teams down the stretch that we can go to Miami and win. We're on to Miami. It is hard to win in this league. Of all the sports cliches, that is by far my favorite because you can just kind of use it whenever you want. Your team can win a one-point game against the worst football team in the world. Well, it's hard to win in this league. And then it's a really fun cliche to start applying to other sports, too. Like when the Brewers lose to the Pirates four games. Or, hey, what do you, I mean, what do you want them to do? It's hard to win in this league. That is my favorite sports cliche. The Packers beat the Rams. Now the competition gets a little bit better when they go to Miami next weekend. The Packers are on to Miami, and that means our guy Mike Clemens is as well. Mike Clemens is here. Hello, Mike. Grant, the only thing that's harder than winning in this league is trying to explain dumb plays in this league. <laughs> uh, by the way, that Rasul Douglas lateral, uh, I was watching clips. It's good that everyone got to laugh about that. I was just talking to some callers. Speaking of dumb plays, that's one of the dumber plays I've seen in a Packer game in a while. That's pretty dumb. Yeah, and you know what? Um, I've got uh, some discussion on that. I thought earlier in the game there was the uh, Aaron Rodgers um, he's got Alan Lazard over there, wide open. Yep. And in the same space on the left-hand side. Do you remember after the Bears game in Chicago, we talked about everybody was downfield and kind of covered, and there's Randall Cobb all alone yep. on yep. the left side flats. And then Rodgers flips the ball downfield past him. Yeah. And Cobb is like, where are you going, man? Yeah. I'm and right then, here. And Hit me. And then Rodgers like gets angry, like, "Don't you know? You know, if you're open like that, start running downfield, and I'll I'll lead you, so you can get some more yards." As yeah. opposed to, no, I'm standing here wide open, and there's nobody in my zip code. Let's. How about you just get the ball to me, and I'll 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 take care of the rest as the ball carrier. So the exact same things happens to Lazard. There's no one in the area. He 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 floats across. Going from right to left mm-hmm. to this big open window uh, near the left-handed sideline, the, the Rams sideline, there's some either safety or defensive back 15 yards back behind him. Why would he turn up field? Because he would he would be bringing on coverage to him yeah. before he got the ball. Instead, Rodgers leads him. So Rodgers was asked, uh, and and in, in this instant, it ended up being becoming an interception. And here's what Rodgers said after the game. I don't know if he didn't quite see the ball. Maybe he was expecting me to stop him with the ball. I came out and, and uh, was trying to kind of put it on him, but I, I guess he uh, thought I was going to stop him with it, so he stopped, and I thought he was going to maybe keep going. So, look, Mike, quarterbacks make bad throws. I, I'm, not, like, I'm not holding Aaron Rodgers to this heavenly standard that he can't miss a throw. It looked like Lazard kind of stopped and was confused. I honestly think Lazard stopped because... He thought the ball wasn't for him. He's like, oh, there must be someone behind me because it's that far over my head. That's why I think Lazard kind of stopped. I, I think he thought someone had curled in behind him and the ball was going to another receiver. So you think it was a bad throw? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I do. I think it was a really bad throw. Wow. See, I <clears throat> I, I just didn't get it. Cause I, I haven't seen, you know, 12 ever throw balls that bad before. Sure. So I mean, I l- look... Yeah. I mean, maybe he thought Alan Lazard could keep going, but he, here's my frustration with Rodgers sometimes is he, he leaves a good play on the table to try to chase a great play. 
So maybe Rodgers thought, well, Lazard is that far. Keep going, and I'll put the ball right on the sideline, and I know the defender's there, but I'll shoot. No, 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 just take, just take the easy play. He's wide open. Just throw it to him, and then you can keep the drive going when you get down there. Let's not make a good play much harder to chase a great play when a good play will do. And I was thinking exactly of that, Grant, when I mean, Aaron Rodgers had time to throw the ball last night, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, did you see on about three or four plays, he's back there for six, seven seconds. And you know why? Because he's doing exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. He's, he's waiting for the shot downfield, waiting for the shot downfield, waiting for the shot downfield. And one time it was kind of a, a more like a Hail Mary situation. There was one time where I thought, oh, God, he's going to do this again. And here was A.J. Dillon wide open on the left-hand side. And guess what? He looked over there, looked twice. Okay, all right. And then Dillon got the ball and ran 15 yards with it. You know, move the chains, man. Stop constantly looking for the shot 45 yards downfield. So, I think I think the shot plays. It's like a it's like a pot of boiling water, Mike. Like a watch pot doesn't boil. The shot plays come if you're running good play action, hard play action, especially with a with a run game paired with that, and you're hitting shots. The shot plays will come. You don't have to hunt them, and I think the Packers hunt them too much sometimes. I don't know. Again, this has been my thing with the with the hand signals, with all the the easy plays are the good plays. Don't leave a good play on the table to chase a great play because a lot of times, especially against a bad opponent. And in a winnable game where you're favored, the good play is just fine. We don't have to leave the good play to chase the great one. And I don't mean to be Mr. Negative today because they did win the game. They did a lot of good things. There's a lot of excitement that continues to progress in how Christian Watson looks just as a a wide receiver in the NFL, you know, doing wide receiver things like setting up fakes, blocks, etc. Dobbs and his – as a matter of fact, I thought it was interesting that Roger said, look – Christian Watson is this guy with his great athletic speed and athleticism, kind of relying on that right now. Yeah. But he looks more and more like an NFL-level receiver. But he says that Romeo Dobbs, that guy runs great routes. He called them crisp routes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he loves that precision that Dobbs has brought back after being out since November 6th. Dobbs ended up leading in receptions for the team with the five of them last night. Um, but I, I, there's a kind of a checklist from the feedback you know, you know that I get from your listeners on well why did this happen or what about this story? Yeah. There was the story of the weekend you saw where former players like uh, Amari Rogers and Kylan Hill, guys that have been released, Chris Blair, to talk about how complicated Aaron Rodgers' signals are. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know. Yep. And I told you the Sammy Watkins story about that, right? About he missed on a signal and that Mark Sanchez showed you in the Giants game, Aaron Rodgers likes to tug on his shirt. Oh yeah. Like yep, he's yep. like it's too tight. Yep. And and you know, and then I talked to Lazard about that. I said, does he know that everybody knows that now? That Mark Chance Sanchez is is been making big red circles in the Giants game like, oh, here's a tendency. Look yeah. at this. Yeah. So and and then Sammy Watkins misses a ball, I think it was against the Cowboys, and he said, Yeah, I missed the signal and he's touching his shoulder. Like Oh my God! Like like this is common knowledge. What this, what this signal is. Here's another story. During the production meetings, Troy Aikman was talking to Lafleur, and it came up that when they got into this five game losing streak, uh, they, the Packers went back to coaches and players sitting, and they would have a practice, and they would watch the practice tape together to improve the next day. And Lafleur was asked about that situation. Yeah, that's something. Um... That just thinking back, the, the in previous years, we had done that 
most of the time together. And then when I got, after that first year, and we again we had a more veteran group of wideouts or whatever, and um, we kind of allowed it to just from a efficiency standpoint and a detail standpoint um, allowed the position groups to uh, meet you know independently of one another in some instances now uh, I would say I can't remember what week it was but we decided we decided to start watching Wednesdays Thursdays uh, every practice together as a whole unit why did it, I guess, like, why did it take so long to, like, Because that's it? just the way it, it transpired. So, Mike, it's funny that you bring this up because something I've been talking about for better part of the last hour is this Packers team figures things out, but they take forever. Like Nixon or, like, now we're playing Zach Tom and uh, Nijman. That wasn't the case at the beginning of the year. Right now, A.J. Dillon all of a sudden is getting the ball on fourth and short. Look at that. This team takes a while. This coaching staff takes a while to adjust and change and do things. You're going to have to explain to me a little bit better about how the proceedings go during the week because I, a lot of people were like, they haven't been doing this all along. To me, I mean, they're watching film of practice. It's not like game film. They watch game film together. That, that they do. This seems like something different, though. Practice. You're going to have to explain to me what's normal and what's not here. No, I guess what Aikman said on the broadcast was, God, I thought that was that would just be a normal thing you do. Is yeah. To look at the practice tape right away to say, Here's what you did wrong today at practice. You'd think that you'd be touching on that. Yeah, you know, Fleur just kind of snapped at that guy right there when, well, you know, why that takes so long? And he just kind of goes, well, that's the way it transpired. Okay. And you know something? He used that same answer today when someone said, how did it take you so long to see that Keyshawn Nixon might actually have the ability to return? And he answered that. He said, well, you know, he had not returned it as much, and you just – so the, the, at the end of the day, it's like they thought way last spring and going into last year, Amari Rogers were going to make him a returner. And, you know, Versace thinks that maybe he could still do this. And yeah. Goody thinks that this is what he should do and all that. And we're going to just keep on trying until he breaks through. Now, sometimes that works. Like Christian Watson, it's not like they gave up on him, right? Sure. I mean, he had the injuries. Yeah. But all of a sudden, somebody flips the switch. I think they thought some of those other switches were going to flip. And they found out that, you know. They had a, a well, burned-out ball. The, the, the Nixon thing, look, you tell me that you had no clue that Nixon was good. Okay, fine. Like, I wouldn't have believed that Nixon was this great returner. The thing is, though, Mike, the returner you had out there was bad. Like He was, he was dropping the ball. Yeah. You should have been looking for any reason to try anyone else. It's not like you no, had the, a great returner out there and Nixon was buried. That's not what happened not, here. Not must return number five. Must yeah. return number two. <laughs> yeah. You yanked the guy. Look, and yeah. even though you got Randall Cobb on IR at the time, well, if you find somebody to just catch the damn ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just some of it. So here's another one. You know, everybody saw this uh, replay over the weekend of the Patriots and this stupid lateral. And the Raiders pick it up and yeah. scoop and score and, and win the, on the end of the game. So Rasul Douglas is uh, out there and in coverage, ball is in the air, and he picks off Baker Mayfield, and then instead of just tucking it under and trying to you know run with it, he's, he's getting surrounded, he's about to get tackled by the tight end, he turns and he flips the ball to Adrian Amos, Rudy Ford was right there, and while we were talking to Rasul Douglas about this, Jair poked his head into the media huddle and said, why did you try and flip it to Adrian or Rudy? Like, how about me? How about 23? You know, yeah. some guy with some jets. But here's LaFleur and Rasul Douglas on that 
situation? That's a great question for Rasul. Um, that's definitely not something that we want to have happen. Um, it was a, definitely a careless kind of uh, pitch back, if you will. And um, he, he, Rasul's too smart. He knows better. When he grabbed me and I kind of twisted me, I seen Smash and Rudy. So I was like, all right, if I could just grip the ball and throw it to the, one of them. To smash it, Rudy? No. <laughs> that, that's, that's why I messed up. That was, that was my first mistake. You know what I'm saying? That was my first mistake right there. And then when I went to, like, go throw it, it slid. But I was already in the process, so as I was going down, I just underhand. And then I, I seen it hit the ground. I was like, damn. It's about to be like the Raiders and the Pages. You know? so, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. so I already know. I'm like, Joe B about to, as soon as I kind of sound like he about to curse me out. But he ain't really do that. So your teammates? My, my teammates, yeah, they said something. So did you thank Smash? Yeah, I, was, I told him I was glad he picked it up. Because if he didn't, it was over me. Can you share but, yeah. what your teammates said to you? Huh? Can you share what any of them said to you after that? Nah, they just like, oh, what the hell you on? I was like, man, y'all know how I play? They was like, yeah, we know, but all right now. Yeah, a little close. So, yeah, I was going to do that regardless. Like, once I was getting tackled, like, if I always tell my teammates, if I'm about to get tackled and I see you look at me, I'm going to give you the ball because I'd rather us just score on defense than wait for offense. Mike, if the Packers, say, had the record of the Minnesota Vikings, I feel like I would have spent 25 minutes on tonight's show, you know, kicking around. Like, I don't know that I trust Rasul Douglas in the playoffs. Like, look at all the mistakes the Packers have made that have cost them games embarrassing ways in the in the playoffs over the last 10 years. If, if this was a serious team that was trying to go on a run, <clears throat> yesterday, like, leads me to believe that maybe there's something going on in Rasul Douglas's mind. It's like, I, I don't know if I can trust that guy in a big spot. When he went to the bench, he said there, yeah, I thought Joe B was going to, you know, chew me out, and he didn't. Yeah, I also... So he's referring to Joe Barry, the defense coordinator. Also noticed that. Can you that. play the last 10 seconds of that clip? Is that possible? I wish I could, but I cannot. I'm sorry. Okay, at the very end, yeah. Douglas says there, yeah, you know, we've been saying on defense, if we get the ball, we're going to try and score instead of wait for the offense. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not a ringing, ringing that, endorsement of the offense. <laughs> which means these guys like Jair and Rasul and, you know, the rest of these secondary guys and who knows what else over there on defense – they have not trusted the offense this year. That we could be out there and we can get a stop and we can give these get the ball back for these guys. Keyshawn can give them a great return. Doesn't mean that this offense this year is going to score. Yeah. So if we get the ball in our hands, we better take the game into our hands and try and score it ourselves. That's, I mean, that's deep. Yeah, that's deep. I think their situational awareness also just stinks. Like, I just think they're looking to house everything and, and do something big with everything. It's like, hey, hey, hey no, 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 you, you got this game well in hand. Maybe let's not pitch the ball around the field. Hey, they're like your first baseman kicking the ball over to shortstop. Baker Mainfield lines up in the 15-degree temperature uh, at quarterback for the L.A. Rams. Kind of living the dream. I'm sure he's really excited. I mean, he works out in L.A. Yeah. after leaving Oklahoma. And, you know, just a couple of snaps into the game, and he loses his center, Brian Allen, uh, to an injury. And so they move Coleman Shelton over to right guard. But, you know, that was the beginning of a bad night for Mayfield, who got sacked five times last night. He talked about it after the game. A lot of, a lot of stuff out there. I think we're going to look at the tape and see how close we were on a few of those plays that uh, really would have been game-changing plays. Um, early on, I don't, I don't think... Uh, 
was more frustrated with how I played early on. I think there were some plays that just easy check downs when they were playing that soft coverage that uh, we got to later. But um, I think I could have made a few plays just to stay on track earlier in the game. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll be frustrated with, with how close we were. Um, yeah, just It's just one of those games where not a whole lot was going our way. Baker missed a couple throws. Their offensive line obviously was kind of thrown out of whack right away. I thought the Rams' defense in the second half, they got sloppy. They started grabbing. They started holding. And a couple of Packers' drives were definitely extended by Rams' penalties, Mike. Yeah, and A.J. Dillon was running headstrong. Oh, by the way, good news today. Yeah. That was not a concussion. He passed the protocol. So that means A.J. Yeah. Dillon should be able to practice this week or later this week and sh- should be clear to play against the Dolphins. Um, I had a long talk with Preston Smith because I'm looking for that leadership on defense to get through these next three games, and he had a couple of nice sacks last night. I asked him about the one where he got it off on the left-hand side. I said, I saw some guy that looked like he was doing a stunt with the uh, offensive line, and he said, yep, as a matter of fact, he went against the you know, the former uh, Wisconsin Badger tackle, Rob uh, Havenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they put, they put Jerron Reed on him inside, and that forced that right tackle to crash down, opened up the door, and bam, you know, Preston Smith makes a beeline to the backfield and gets his second sack of the night of Baker Mayfield. Preston's had like five sacks in the last four games, and so we asked him, what made the difference in the Packers' defensive performance last night on Monday Night Football? Now, we always go out there each and every game trying to do our best, and, um, you know, we, we all played at a high level tonight. We played together, and we played sound. You know, sometimes you don't even know what the stats are until the end of the game, and I guess we're just out there having fun, you know, guys playing together, and, you know, communicating, playing uh, fast and physical, and, you know, we benefited tonight. It's fun to watch Preston Smith make plays in prime time in front of the crowd. I don't know. I, Preston, I like Preston Smith. He's always available. He's out there. He, he's available for a team. You know, the best ability is availability, Mike. That's what they say. Uh, and Preston Smith seems like a nice guy. We got about 60 seconds, Mike. Anything you want to say before we wrap up here and we turn things over to Kenny and Heilprin? Just that, um, you know, these guys believe they can do this. I think it's going to be really tough. Yeah. to beat the Dolphins down there in Miami. Um, who knows about the Vikings, but it's great you get the Vikings and the Lions dome teams up in Lambeau in those kinds of conditions. But it feels like playoffs right now in Green Bay. I'm excited, Mike. The game on Christmas, I think something weird's going to happen. It smells like a weird game. Last, My Miami memories are a fake spike, and just weird things happen when the Packers, when NFC teams go to play down there. So I'm looking forward to that. I know we'll talk again on Thursday before we part ways for the holidays, Mike. Talk to you then. Appreciate you, Mike. He's on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. Let's take one final break, and then we'll turn things over to Kenny and Heilprin. They'll be talking Badgers and Nick Evers. I can't wait to get Ben's takes on this. I'm very excited. (laughs) We'll talk about why. We'll preview Kenny and Heilprin. Let's do a Kenny and Heilprin pregame show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, we got the last couple of minutes here before we turn things over to Mr. Ben Kenny and Mr. Zach Heilprin. Zach Heilprin, wholesome Heilprin on Twitter, as I like to call him, tweeted a picture of his new puppy today. And I just think that's adorable. Maybe he'll talk about that on the show tonight. Although, those two, they're very businesslike. You know, Ben will introduce the show, and they're right into it within two minutes. They're talking about Nick Evers tonight, and I see Ben on Twitter asking for folks' reaction in one sentence or one word. I think one sentence. I just know that Ben is not going to be as excited about this as people want. 
And I just enjoy that. I like. I just love when Ben is realistic and people hate him for it. It's not an anti-Ben thing. It's just, I, I just like sitting back and enjoying. So Zach and Ben, going to talk Badgers. We already previewed Grambling State and Last Chance U. We did that with Corn Roller back at around 4.30. So you can go back and find that in the podcast. Zach and Ben will talk football, recruiting, recruiting, as they call it. And they'll talk about Nick Evers as well and the reaction to him being in Madison. You're not going to want to miss that. Kenny and Halpern coming up. I will talk to you tomorrow starting at 4. I'll tell you where.